Good morning, Meadows. Let us open in prayer. Lord of the harvest, we pray to you. We pray that you would continue to send men and women from this church out into the harvest. We pray that as we look at your word this morning, that we would be obedient to what it says. Father, give us confidence as we do go out into the harvest, knowing that we don't go on our own ability and strength, but in the one who calls us and sends us. Father, I just pray that your word would go forth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask a question. What is the greatest need of our world today? Maybe some would answer, we need more education. Maybe it's more food for the hungry, better water supplies, freedom, justice. But I want to say the greatest need of our world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we cure cancer or we stop world hunger or supply fresh water for everyone, or clean up the oceans or provide justice, and yet do not deal with the eternal souls of men and women, everything else is meaningless. We must have the gospel go forth into the world. Because that's the only thing that matters. And this morning, I'm reminded of Paul. How can people call on him they have not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about him? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they they preach unless they are sent? And so this morning, we pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send workers to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only gospel that saves. And so with this, let us walk through our text this morning here in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, and we'll be going through verse 10, or uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. This is something that we've seen Jesus do already. Before, Matthew and Matthew chapter 4, we had a whole sermon on it of Jesus preaching, the kingdom of God, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We've seen his teaching. We spent several months going through the Sermon on the Mount. We've seen in the last several weeks Jesus healing blind people, mute people, demon-possessed. 
and so many more. And this is what consists of Jesus' ministry, preaching, teaching, and healing. And he continues to do this. And we come to verse 36, when he saw the crowds, Matthew's now starting to give us a little insight of what Jesus was feeling, and we get a little insight to this. When he saw the crowds, he, left, he felt compassion for them. Because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is looking out at the crowd. This crowd is mixed with different types of people. Already in chapters 8 and 9, we've seen many people come to Jesus. We've seen leopards come to Jesus. We've seen centurions come to Jesus. We've seen women come to Jesus. We've seen girls come to Jesus. We've seen tax collectors come to Jesus. We've seen scribes and disciples come to Jesus. And I can imagine that this crowd is full of people like them. And Jesus looks at this crowd, and He says, I don't have compassion on those who have brown eyes. Or I have only compassion on those if you are five foot ten or taller. He looks at the crowd and felt compassion for all of them. Oh, may we too have that same compassion as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why does he have compassion on the crowds? Well, Matthew give us reason. Because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and helpless. If we go back and understand the context in which they were living in first century Judaism, you had the council of Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin. And these leaders consisted of two groups. You had one group, the Sadducees who advocated compromise with the Roman Empire, not encouraging biblical hope that the prophets foretold long ago. And then on the other side, you had the Pharisees, who added to Scripture, focusing on unhealthy man-made traditions over the living Word of God. And so with these leaders in place, many were not being spiritually fed, being led astray, hopeless, Aimlessly lost. I can't help but imagine that many in our world today are feeling the same thing. We have people in high institutions, in leadership and government who at many times are neglecting their responsibilities or leading many in error. I'm even thinking about the local church, not ours, but many I've seen. It's almost monthly where you hear about people in religious institutions and churches who fall. You hear of pastors leading their congregations astray and not standing firm on the biblical truths of doctrine and of Scripture. There are many people who are aimlessly lost like a sheep without a shepherd, like a child without a caretaker, 
like a dog without an owner, like an explorer without a compass, lost, aimless, purposeless, harassed, helpless. Our only hope is in Jesus, who is the good shepherd. I can't help but think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lies me in green pastures and leads me by still waters. The world that they're living in then is not much different than the world that we are living in today. Jeremiah 23, 1-4 says this, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the shepherd who tend to my people. You have scattered my flock, banished them, and have not attended to them. I'm about to attend to you because of your evil acts. This is the Lord's declaration. But look at this. I will gather the remnant of my flock from all the lands where I have banished them, and I will return them to their gazing land. They will become fruitful and numerous. I will raise up shepherds over them who will tend to them. They will no longer be afraid or discouraged, nor will any be missing. This is the Lord's declaration. May this be so of our congregation that He leads and brings up men and women of our congregation to be sent forth to proclaim the gospel, to bring back the sheep of God to its fold. May we have compassion just as Jesus has compassion on the crowd. May we look at those who may be lost and are in sin, not with judgment or priding ourselves in who we are, but may we look with compassion. May we be stirred with compassion for the lost. May we love those who do not yet know the gospel of Jesus Christ, who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And may we be like our Savior who has compassion upon them. And in doing so, may we pray for men and women to be raised up, to go out, proclaim this gospel. Our church has a history of sending many out into the mission field and into vocational ministry. If you look at the missionaries we support, many of them have sat in these pews, have attended our youth groups in Awana, have grown up in this church. And I praise God that there has been many who have been set from our church. We just heard from Pastor Andrew who we've sent him out into the harvest. But may we not just look back at what God has done, but may we look forward and continue to pray that He would continue to raise up men and women and send them out wherever that may be. Oh, and I pray that we would be a church 
that has effect not just here in Rolling Meadows, but throughout our country and throughout our world. Because we have been faithful in discipling men and women, especially our children and our young men and women, to send them out into the harvest. Oh, may we be a church that continues to send missionaries, that continues to send church planners, that continues to train men into the pastorate. Oh, what a joy it is to see a young man or young woman who desires to go into ministry. May we come alongside them and continue to disciple them, continue to nurture them. And I believe that there may be some today where the Lord is tapping you on the shoulder, calling you to go and minister. And I don't know where you may be, but I believe that there may be some here this morning that may be feeling that tap from the Spirit, a calling that has been placed on your life to enter into full-time ministry. So as we go into verses 37 through 10.1, there's four things that I want us to highlight. First, that there's work to be done. Second, that the labors are few. Third, how do we supply the labors? And fourth, the gracious answer of our Lord and Savior. We're going to look at these four things of, in the course of these three verses. So in verse 37, we see Jesus looking out the crowd. We may suspect that he's going to start addressing the crowd, but instead he turns to his disciples. In verse 37, he says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant. This is the first thing that we want to note, is do we believe that there is an abundant harvest ready? Oh, it may be hard at times. We see that Gnosticism is on the rise. We see atheism is on the rise. We see that our culture and society is wanting to get rid of everything that is religious, especially Christianity. And it may be hard to look at our land and see, God, how is it abundant? But may we trust that He sees Everyone, he sees the crowd, says, yes, the harvest is plentiful, the harvest is abundant. Oh, may we not be like Elijah that hides and who cries out to the Lord, saying, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I am alone are left, and they're looking for me to take my life, even though it may feel like that at many times. May we take hope and encouragement in what the Lord responds with. He says, everyone has abandoned you and wanting to kill me. I'm sorry. God reassures Elijah by saying this, that he will leave 7,000 in Israel, who have not bend the knee to Baal. 
May we believe that the Lord is continuing to do a work in our nation. He's continuing to do a work in our world. He's continuing to do a work in our city. The harvest is plentiful. This idea of the harvest is plentiful also means it's ready, it's ripe. It's ready to be picked. If you go apple picking, you go and you grab a basket, you're not the one that's doing the work of planting the seed and attending the tree to grow. You're there, you get to just pick apples and put them in your basket. It's easy. My kids can do it. And this is the Lord saying, the harvest is ready. It's ripe. It's ready to be picked. Go, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, I think of many people who have come before us. The John Calvins, the Martin Luther, John Haas, Waycliffs, the William Tyndales, the John Knox, the Spurgeons, the Wesleys, the Waitfields, the Moody's. They came They saw that the harvest, they believed that the harvest was plentiful. And they did not come with tactics and tricks, with self-help or philosophies. They came with the word of God proclaiming Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. And many, because of them, have come to know Christ. We have all been impacted by some of these men because of their faithfulness of Christ. May we too, as we send people out, not win them with trickery or anything else, but with the Word of God. May we be bold in our proclamation. May we be bold in what we believe and in the Gospel, the power of the Gospel, for it is not the power of the Gospel, is the power of salvation, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. Oh, may we believe that the harvest is plentiful. That is ready. This also alludes to urgency. If you're going to harvest something, you can't wait to winter to harvest it. There is a season where you must go out into the field to harvest it. And so this alludes to urgency. May we urgently be praying that God will continue to raise up labors for the harvest, that He will continue to send out labors. For the harvest. Oh, may we not wait another day, but continue to pray for labors to be raised up and sent out. Oh, may we live with such urgency, knowing that the harvest is plentiful, knowing that the harvest is ripe. And it's ready. So we see that the harvest is plentiful. There's work to be done. Jesus continues telling telling his disciples, but the workers are few. This is an incredible statement because What Jesus could have said, the harvest is plentiful, so you disciples sit back, here's some popcorn, watch what I'm about to do. No, he expects and desires his people to help 
with the work that God desires to help advance the kingdom of God. And He invites His children in. He invites us to partake in the work that He's already doing. He invites us to partake in the proclamation of the gospel. To see many come to a saving faith in Jesus. To see lives transformed and redeemed. He invites us to participate in that. What great work is this? There's no greater work than the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To see someone's life change radically for Jesus. What kind of people does he call? He calls laborers. Someone who works is not lazy. I can't just sit on my couch and hope that the harvest will take care of itself. But one must be going out into the harvest. And so if we are going to out in the harvest, we must prepare. We must be diligent in our studies. Desiring to know God. To love God and obey God. Must be in prayer regularly. Coming before God. Oh, may we not be lazy. Or just sitting and watching. But may we be working hard for our Lord and Savior Jesus. This also means he's looking for laborers that are wanting to go, willing to go out into the harvest field. Once again, I can't harvest if I'm just sitting back looking out at the field. You must go into the field. Must be amongst the harvest. So for us, we must be amongst our neighbors, amongst our co-workers. If you're going harvest corn, you're not going to take a little pocket knife to cut down corn. In the same way, we must prepare. And instead of using a knife to harvest, we use the Word of God. And so as we're living, as we're dwelling, as we are among the harvest, we don't become the harvest, but we use the Word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword. We proclaim the Word and stand boldly on the truth of Scripture. We speak truth in love. Knowing that this is the only way that people will hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We're also seeing he calls faithful people. People who have faith in him. All throughout we've seen the faith of the lepers who come and says, Lord, you can heal us. Or the centurion's faith. There is no greater faith in Israel, Jesus declares of this man. Or how about the paralytic and his friends that bring the paralytic to Jesus? Or how about Matthew, who Jesus calls, who is a tax collector and by faith follows him? Or how about this leader who comes before Jesus and says, You can restore my dead daughter. 
or the woman who's been suffering for 12 years, or the blind men who come before Jesus. They all come before Jesus by faith, and He's wanting people to have faith in Him. And as we go out, we continue to have faith in Him. We don't lose our faith, but we continue to have our faith in Him, and our faith will continue to grow in Him as we see that the harvest is plentiful. As we pray for labors to go out on the harvest and we see the work that's being done, may we know that our God is a God who is active. He's furthering His kingdom here on earth. And so He's calling labors who are not lazy. He's calling labors who are willing to go out amongst the harvest. He is calling labors who are people of faith. Why does he call people? Well, we already addressed that the harvest is plentiful, but I can't help but think of John Piper who said missions exist because worship doesn't. And so the work will always continue. There will always need to be a need for labors until every tongue confess and every knee will bow in professing that Jesus is Lord. Charles Wesley says, Give me a 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not whether they are be clergymen or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon this earth. Oh, may there be men in our pulpits today that know the depth of their sin and desire nothing else but God. As we pray for our next pastor, may we pray that he is a man of God, desire nothing else but God, that he is willing to spend his weeks and days and late nights on his knees, pouring over the Word of God so that he could preach the Word of God. May the Word of God be transforming him, and so when he comes out of his study, we people want to hear because he has been wrestling with God. Oh, may we be praying for a man who understands the depth of his sin and is grieved by his depth of his sin and knowing that he is a weak man and the only thing that he can rely on is the grace of God. Oh, may we have men who are diligent in their studies, who desire nothing but God and count everything else meaningless. So I will tell you that there are no great men of God, but we serve a great God. There are only weak men, but our God is great. And so may we continue to pray for our pastorate. And I ask as well that you continue to pray for the men of our church. I just want to say how I praise God over the last couple of years now, I've seen many of the men in this congregation grow in their knowledge of love for and obedience to God. And I praise Him. And I believe that there are many here, many of our men are who are ready to be sent out. I pray that we would continue to disciple. Pray for our fathers who are leading their families spiritually especially with young kids, that they would disciple their kids, 
So as their kids grow up, they would know what it means to follow Christ. Pray for our young boys and our young men who are in high school, junior high, that even at a young age, they would know God, that they would desire nothing else but God. And I pray that one day there would be many of our young men who would, God would call to pastor and preach the word of God. May we be praying for our men. Let me just pray real quick right now. And we'll continue. Father, I pray for our next pastor. Lord, this is a high calling that you put on to lead your church. So I pray that even right now, whoever you call next to come in, that they would desire nothing else but you. That they would be working hard in the proclamation of your gospel. That they would be willing to be among the harvest and engaging with our city. And as they do, that they would speak truth in love. Father, I pray for the men of our church right now. As we lead our families, our kids, our spouses, that we would be men who desire you and nothing else. I pray for our young men and our boys that they would see you, Jesus. Seek after you at such a young age. And I pray that there will be many that are called up and sent out from our church. Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We continue. Verse 38, we have the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. So therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. This is an imperative. It's a command to pray, not if you pray or if you just think about this. No, pray specifically. Oh, if we desire revival in our world, if we desire revival in our nation, if we desire revival in Chicago, in our city, in Rolling Meadows, it must start with prayer. Someone said there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locally that did not begin in united prayer. May we be a congregation that desires and comes before the Lord and say, Lord, you said that the harvest is plentiful. We're praying that you would raise up leaders and send them out. Oh, may we do so privately and corporately. May we be eager to wait to see what God does. May we be eager to see revival here in our city, to see many people come to the Lord. Oh, may we pray 
We pray to the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is His. As we will see at the end of verse 38. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into His harvest. We're just His workers. Joyfully going into the harvest. And so we pray to Him who has all authority on earth and in heaven. We pray to Him who is the one who calls people into a relationship with Him. We pray to Him who is the one who sends out people. We pray to the Lord of the harvest. We pray that He would send out men and women. I've talked about the men and I'm so thankful for the women of our church as well. There are many women here that I've talked with who love the Word, love God. I'm so excited of what Cindy and Heather and the women's ministry team are doing. Our theme this year, Women on Mission. There's women discipling women, being grounded in the Word of God, coming alongside younger women. I'm thrilled to continue to see what God does and know that I've been praying for you. I've been praying for women's ministry. And I rejoice of what God is doing here amongst the women of Meadows. And I pray that God would continue to raise up women from Meadows and send them out to proclaim the gospel boldly. I haven't planned this, but let me just pray for the women of our church as well. Father, I lift up these women who you love. Oh, I know that there's been many, several here that have been walking with you for a while. That you have blessed with wisdom and understanding of your word. And who are now coming alongside younger women and ladies. Lord, I'm so thankful the love that these women share of first and foremost you and their love that they have for your word and the love that they have for one another to encourage and build up one another. Father, I thank you for our women and the important roles that they play here in our church. Lord, thank you. Amen. So we pray that God will continue to raise up leaders and people and send them out. This idea of sending out. The Greek is maybe a little more forceful, maybe pushing out. I can't help, there's an evangelist, a missionary that Heather and I know. His name's Warren Willis, great man of faith. And 
he recalls a story. Him, he's on Berkeley's campus, and it's him and his mentor. His mentor is teaching him how to share the gospel on Berkeley. And there's an atheist, pronounced atheist, and his mentor tells Willis, or Warren, I want you to go talk to him. And Warren says, I, I can't move. My legs will not carry me. So his mentor gives him a push. His legs start moving. Sometimes we may say, Lord, my legs won't move. He gives us push. But he's the one who calls people into himself. He's the one who sends out people. He's the one who puts a calling upon someone's life. And so we pray to the Lord that he would continue to call and send out people to proclaim the gospel because the harvest is abundant. We see in this text as well, he's the Lord of the harvest. The harvest belongs to him. This is his business. He is in the business of redeeming people. He's in the business of bringing dead back to life. He's in the business of bringing an orphan into a child. He is in the business of redeeming men and women, boys and girls, so that his kingdom will advance. And so, brothers and sisters, may we continually, eagerly pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers because the fields are abundant. The harvest is abundant. Now we enter into chapter 10. As I was studying this, I, the divides are not inspired. And so I think chapter 10, verse 1 should be up with this section, but most scriptures not. Because he answers the prayer. This is how he answers them. He says, summoning his 12 disciples. So he's talking with his 12 disciples already. He says, pray for the laborers. And now summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. What's God's answer? Send his disciples out. And so as we pray for laborers, as we pray for God to raise up men and women to be sent out, maybe a prayer that we have is, Lord, what field do you want me to labor in? Where do you want me to serve? Maybe for some of you today, it may be out in the mission field. Maybe it's starting your journey into becoming a pastor or a preacher. But for many, it may be simply opening up your home and inviting some of your neighbors in. Maybe starting a small gathering of fellow believers and praying. Maybe it's bringing food showing hospitality, showing mercy 
giving a listening ear. This is what I love about the body of Christ. There's so many different gifts in the body of Christ. So many different areas that we can serve in the body of Christ. But it's all to this end to make disciples who make disciples. Because we desire the advancement of the kingdom of God because we love God above everything else. And so I'm here, I'm, I believe that God may be tapping on some of your shoulders. That God may be calling you into full-time vocational ministry. That He may be gearing your life, path of life in a different direction. But for all of us, He is calling us to go and make disciples. He is calling us be faithful of where He has placed us right now. Whatever work it's in, whatever maybe it's in your school, in your neighborhood. And may we start asking the Lord, Lord, where's the field you want me to labor in? And may we eagerly wait for the response. And when He responds, may we obediently go into the field, into the work that He has called us to. Brothers and sisters, it's something I'm not just preaching to you, but myself. For I've wrestled deep with this text, been convicted with this text. It's a word that I need to hear today as well. That may we not allow things to distract us or get in our way. But wherever He calls us, wherever He calls us to labor for His namesake, may we do so obediently. May we not be like Jonah and run the other direction. Maybe for some it's being prayer warriors and praying for revival, praying for God to continue to raise up men and women to send them out. So with that, let us close in prayer. Lord of the harvest, you have done great works throughout history and We wait with anticipation of the great work that you will continue to do in our day. We pray that you continue to raise up men and women who will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for our city that many here will know you because people from our church and our congregation have been sent out. Lord, I pray for our missionaries right now. Some of them are in hard places. Lord, pray for safety. I pray that your gospel would go forth. I pray for the families, that you would give them comfort and peace. That you would provide everything that you need for them. Lord, I pray for the other pastors here in the city of Rolling Meadows. That they would stay faithful to your word. 
that they would proclaim your word with truth and boldness and confidence, not in themselves, but knowing that it's all inspired by you. Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray that there would be, you continue to grow men and women in knowledge of love for and obedience to you. That we may know love and become like Christ. Father, I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.